Chapter Two of Three People by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two John Burge's Opportunity. One day it rained, oh, terribly. Albany is not a pleasant city when it rains, and Rensselaer Street is not a pleasant street. That was what John Burge thought as he held his umbrella low to avoid the slanting drops and hurried himself down the muddy road hurried until he came to a cellar stairs, and then he stopped short in the midst of rain and wind, such a pitiable sight met his eye, the figure of a human being fallen down on that lowest stair in all the abandonment of drunkenness. "'This is awful,' muttered John Burge to himself. "'I wonder if the poor wretch lives here, and if I can't get him in.' Wondering which, he hurried down the stairs, made his way carefully past the poor wretch, and knocked at the door. No answer. He knocked louder, and this time a low, come in, rewarded him, and he promptly obeyed it. A woman was bending over a pile of straw and rags, and an object lying on top of them, and a squalid child, curled in one corner, with a wild, frightened look in his eyes. The woman turned as the door opened, and John Burge recognized her as his mother's washerwoman. "'Oh, Mr. Burge,' she said eagerly, "'I am too thankful for anything at seeing you. This woman is going so fast she is, and what to do I don't know.' Mr. Burge set down his umbrella and shook himself free of what drops he could before he approached the straw and rags. Then he saw that a woman lay on them, and on her face the purple shadows of death were gathering. "'What is it?' he asked, awestruck. "'What is the matter?' "'Clear case of murder, I call it. Her man is a drunkard, and a fiend, too, leastways when he's drunk he is, and he's pitched her down them there stairs once too often, I reckon. I was going to my work early this morning, and I heard her groaning, so i come in and i just stayed on ever since feelings is feelings if a body does have to lose a day's work to pay for em she lies like that for a spell and then she rouses up and has an awful turn turn of what is she in pain no i reckon not it's her mind she knows she's going and it makes her wild like maybe you can talk to her some and do her good there she sees you a pair of stony rather than wild eyes were suddenly fixed on mr burge's face he bent over and spoke gently my poor woman what can i do for you nothing at all she said stolidly my heart's broke and that's the end of it it don't make no difference what comes next i'm done with it but my poor friend are you ready for what is coming to you you mean i'm dying i s'pose yes i know that and it makes no kind of difference i've had enough of living the land knows things can't be worse with me than they are here and now john spoke eagerly but don't you know that they can be better and that there is a home and rest and peace waiting for you and that the lord jesus christ wants you i don't know anything about them things i might i s'pose if i'd been a mind to it's too late now and i don't care about that either 
things can't be worse i tell you it's not too late don't ruin yourself with that folly the lord is all-powerful he can do anything he doesn't need time as men do he can save you now just as well as he could last year all you have to do is to ask him he will in no wise cast out he is able to save to the uttermost believe on him and the work is all done it is impossible to tell the eager energy with which these words were poured forth by the man who saw that the purple shadows were creeping and the time was short but the same stony look still settled on the listener's face and she repeated with the indifference of despair it's no use my time is gone it don't matter my heart's broke i tell you and i don't care he will save you if you will let him he wants to i can't tell you how much he has promised to hear the very faintest latest call say lord jesus forgive me with all your heart and the work is done a sudden change swept over the sick stolid face a gleam of interest in the dreary eyes and she spoke with eagerness do you say he can do everything everything whatever ye ask in my name believing ye shall receive these are his own words does he believe in rum no promptly replied the startled but strongly temperate john burge then i'll pray was the quick response i never prayed in my life but i will now like enough i can save him yet you folks think he can hear everything that's said don't you strangely moved as well as startled her visitor answered her only by a bow the shaking hands were clasped and in a clear firm voice the sick woman spoke oh lord don't let toad ever drink a drop of rum then the little boy crouching in the corner rose up and came quickly over to his mother keep away toad said the woman at the foot of the bed speaking in an awe-stricken voice keep away don't touch her she ain't talking to you not so much as a glance did the mother bestow upon her boy but repeated over and over again the sentence oh lord don't let toad ever touch a drop of rum is that the way she asked suddenly turning her sharp bright eyes full on mr burge is that the way they pray are them the right kind of words to use my poor friend began he but she interrupted him impatiently just tell me if that's the name you call him by when you pray yes he said only won't you add to them and forgive and save me for jesus sake never mind me she answered promptly taint of no consequence about me never has been and i haven't no time to waste on myself i want to save him oh lord don't let toad ever touch a drop of rum he doesn't need time pleaded her visitor he can hear both prayers at once he can save both you and toad in a second of time and he loves you and is waiting this was her answer oh lord don't let toad ever touch a drop of rum all that woman's soul was swallowed up in the one great longing unable longer to endure the scene in silence john burge dropped on his knees and said 
lord jesus hear this prayer for her boy and save this poor woman who will not pray for herself the words seemed to arrest her attention what do you care she added at length the lord jesus cares he died to save you then john burge repeated his prayer adding a few simple words the little silence that followed was broken by the repetition of the poor woman's one solemn sentence oh lord don't let toad ever touch a drop of rum and save me added john burge and save me her lips took up the sentence for jesus sake for jesus sake the next time she added those words of her own accord and again and again was the solemn cry repeated until there came a sudden changing of the purple shadows into solemn ashy gray and with one half murmured effort not a drop of rum and for jesus sake the voice was forever hushed the neighbor watcher was the first to break the stillness well i never in all my life she ejaculated speaking solemnly for the land's sake i wish every rum seller in the world could a heard her well her troubles is over mr burge now what's to be done next is she anything to you mary except an acquaintance i'm thankful to say she ain't if she had been i'd expect to die of shame for letting her die in this hole she's a neighbor of mine at least i live around the corner but i don't know much about her only that her man comes home drunk about every night and tears around like a wild beast which last recalled to john's remembrance the reason of his being in that room is that her husband lying out there he asked nodding toward the door yes it is been there long enough to know something by this time i should think too it seems to me the first thing to be done is to get him in here it isn't decent to leave him in this storm it's decenter than he deserves in my opinion enough sight mary muttered nevertheless they went toward the door and with infinite pains and much fearful swearing from the partially roused man they succeeded in pushing and pulling and dragging him inside the cellar on the floor when he immediately sank back into heavy sleep isn't he a picture of a man now said the sturdy mary with a face and gesture of intense disgust i would rather be he than the man who sold him the rum her companion answered solemnly well mary have you time to stay here a while or must you go at once i'll take time sir feelings is feelings if i be poor and i can't leave the boy and all like this very well you shall not suffer for your kind act i'll go at once and notify the coroner and the proper authorities and meantime my mother will probably step around shall i have this fellow taken to the station no said mary with another disgusted look at the drunken man let the beast sleep it out he's beyond hurting anybody and she wouldn't want him sent to the station it was the most solemnly awful sight i ever saw said john burge telling it all over to his friend McElroy. i shall never forget that woman's prayer it was the most tremendous temperance lecture i ever heard
is the woman buried yes this afternoon they hurry such matters abominably mcelroy mother saw though that things were decent and did what she could we mean to keep an eye on the boy he has great wild eyes and a head that suggests great possibilities of good or evil as the case may be we would like to get him into one of the children's homes and look after him i meant to go around there this very evening and see what i could do what do you say to going with me now easy enough thing to accomplish i should think i presume his father will be glad to get rid of him but it's storming tremendously is it not pretty hard it does four-fifths of the time in albany you know wouldn't you venture why it strikes me not unless it were a case of life and death or something of that sort i should like to assist in rescuing the waif but won't it do to-morrow i presume so we'll go to-morrow after class then well take the rocking-chair and an apple and make yourself comfortable i say mcelroy when i get into my profession i'll teach temperance shall not you rain and wind and storm were over by the next afternoon the sun shone out brilliantly trying to glorify even the upper end of rensselaer street through which the two young men were sauntering in search of the waif on whom john burge meant to keep an eye i'm strangely interested in the boy burge was saying that prayer was something so strange so fearfully solemn and the circumstances connected with my stumbling upon them at all were so sad i was sorry after i left that i had not tried to impress upon the little fellow's mind the solemn meaning of his mother's last words i half went back to have a little talk with him but then i thought there would be sufficient opportunity for that in the future here this is the cellar be careful how you tread these steps are abominable halloo why what on earth they descended the stairs they knocked at the door but they received no answer they tried the door it was locked they looked in at the rickety window the miserable stove the rags even the straw were gone no trace of human residence was to be seen it does not take long to move away from rensselaer street toad and his father were gone and neither then nor afterward for many a day though john burge and his companion made earnest search were they to be found the sufficient opportunity was gone too and young burge kept no eye on the boy but there was an all-seeing eye looking down on poor toad all the while End of chapter 2